Hello again, everybody. Welcome back to Radio Akwaptok. This is Rachna. In today's episode, we'll meet Ramzia Karami and Mariam Omar in Kabul. Ramzia and Mariam are part of a vanguard of women artisans, designers, and entrepreneurs who bring Silk Road era crafts to the contemporary global marketplace. Their story cannot be told without mentioning Turquoise Mountain, a project that puts master artisans and a new generation of creatives together. Graduates of the Turquoise Mountain Institute, like Ramzia, have gone on to open their own craft studios and businesses. Mariam runs Turquoise Mountain's Design Center, where she helps students bridge design and business development. Afghanistan is a steady presence in the news cycle. Most of it focuses on war and politics. Today, the country stands at the threshold with peace talks underway. Change is going to come, but we're not quite sure what these changes will look like. This is not the easiest time for Afghanistan and certainly not the easiest for Afghan women. We have a really unique opportunity today to speak with two women living and working in the country. They share their thoughts on their work and on what lies ahead. Today I'm joined in the broadcast tower again by Jo. Um, how are you, Jo? Hi, Rachna. I'm good, thank you. Um, it's great to be here. Um, I'm really looking forward to today's conversation. I'm very interested in learning about life on the inside, you know, on the inside of Afghanistan and the inside story of being a craft-based entrepreneur about learning a craft and then taking the leap to become an entrepreneur. There's so many uncharted waters in what these ladies are doing in the journeys that they're navigating that I'm sure the conversations we're going to have today will be full of rare insights into a somewhat unknown world. So, Rachna, shall we go to Kabul? Yes, let's go. Hi, Ramzia, welcome. Hi, Rachna, how are you? I'm good. It's so nice to see you again and nice to have you here. Hi, Mariam. Hi, Rasna. Lovely to be with you here. Oh, great. And um, so now let's get started. So, Joe, take it away. Uh, Ramzia, super nice to meet you. And congratulations on your success of becoming an artisan and now your own, uh, you're an independent businesswoman, I understand. Thank you so much. Maybe you could just tell us a little bit about yourself. Are you married? Do you have children? I am Ramzia Khurami. Uh, I live in Kabul. I, uh, I have married. I have two kids, uh, one, one daughter and one son. I started my work with Turkey's Mountain uh, in, uh, from 12th of uh, February 2012 until 2018. I work with uh, the business development of uh, Turkey's Mountain. Then after that, uh, I had my baby boy. So off, I have 2.5 years at home, and then after that, I came back to start my own business in jewelry. Um, I just want to say your English is amazing. Where did you learn to speak English? Uh, I studied English in courses, but not that much that I should study. But um, I learned, uh, obviously, English in uh, working with the team of business we had meetings like in English meetings, not in Derry. So in this times, I learned a lot English speaking. So um, 
I understand you're a jeweler and you run your own jewelry making business. Can you tell me a little bit about the type of jewelry that you make? Uh, now I make I'm focusing on modern jewelry. Um, so my brother and I sitting together in Skype call and he design and I design. I, I'm making the jewelry in Afghanistan and he's also jeweler in Canada. He's working with Jenny Bert, one of famous designers uh, in Canada. And uh, he will also design and sending to me to make in Afghanistan and send to him. And also I have one uh, customer in America that these are all jewelry that I showed you. Uh, these are for American person. It's interesting that you're a designer. Where Can you tell me a little bit about where you draw your inspiration from for your designs? Some ideas uh, that I learned before from Mariam John that uh, focus on magazines or uh, carpet, anything that you liked. So focus on one piece of uh, like one area of carpet or one area of magazine that uh, shows us from clothes, from uh, glass, from anything that I see. So I mention on that and focus it and then after that I make it. So at Turquoise Mountain, you you... You learn how to be an artist, in fact. Yeah. Uh, we just learned about graphic design from starting to do a small design and graphic. Then after that, uh, uh, making uh, come to in metal. And then after that, uh, soldering, um, sandpapering, polishing, and uh, drumming like these things. What, what kind of materials do you work with? Uh, first, we would uh, we worked with uh, copper, then brass, then in the third class we learned about silver and gold, how oh. to make gold uh, ring or necklace, how to make the silver ring uh, or cuffling like these things. Ramsey is humble when describing her work. She's a woman. She makes jewelry. She runs her own business. This is rare, even today. She showed us some of her pieces while we were talking via Skype, and her work is refined and stunning. In Afghanistan, Ramzia's approach is considered contemporary and refreshing. Although she uses traditional tools and techniques, her designs are inspired equally by heritage motifs and modern trends. She also tends to design with silver and gemstones. Ramsia told us that most people in Afghanistan favor gold as a status symbol and as currency. The majority of gold jewelry is imported and comes from the Middle East, Pakistan, and India. While Ramsia's collections tend to be more popular outside of Afghanistan, her work is becoming popular locally too. And, and so now, how many people are in are in your business how many people work for you about nine people we are working uh, four of uh, them is uh, five of them is boys that one is uh, like the uh, master and uh, four of them is students that they are working with us uh, the lady one lady who's doing marketing for me she's my sister how how is it being um being the boss, like being a woman and being a boss, is it easy or 
you find some challenge? It's easy also and it's difficult also. Easy, easy for that that I have my, it's, uh, it's my job if I, I go or not uh, go to my office, if I do my job or not do. Um, so it's good for me because I have two kids. Uh, it's very flexible for me. Uh, so if I work in any office, so it's not flexible for me. And difficult for, no, my enemy, مشکل بری از مثلا ما کار اگر پیدا نکلم ماشات کار من دویم یک ذرا دیرتر میشه یا برشان رساندن هم میتونم Okay, so the, one of the challenges um, that you want to mention is that you have to pay everybody in the end of the month and you need to make sure that you have enough sales to be able to pay them Yeah And if you don't have enough sales you need to pay them from your pocket Yeah Oh, yeah, that's hard. Yeah. What about um, being a, a woman leader? And you told me that you have some boys or men working for you. Is it is it difficult to be the boss? No, it's not very difficult because uh, <laughs> they are not uh, younger. Um, so they are not older than you. Yeah. You are older than yeah. them, so you have a command over yeah. them. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so my workers are uh, younger than me, uh, so they are listening to me and uh, they are un- uh, understand that what I want to do. Uh, sometimes they are saying that you are very hard. Any tuxial muskel pesandesi. It's hard to satisfy. Yeah, to, it's very hard to satisfy. You, you pick on yeah. things. That uh, for quality, I'm looking uh, a lot that I need like this quality. They are saying like sometimes I'm they are making the piece if I had any problems. So I will say them to please uh, reject this and uh, make another one for me. And they are saying you are like crazy. What are you doing with us? <laughs> you are just making. I said that I eight air. I work with Turkish Mountain. Just I learned how to find the uh, negative points, not the positive points. <laughs> <laughs> that so, means quality control. Yeah, and quality control of jewelry. I just learned how to find the negative points, not the positive points. <laughs> so Ramzia was used to be the quality controller. So that that was her job. So she was all the time working with artisans. And her job every day was to just find that what are the mistakes with the jewelry. So would you say that like you're you feel fulfilled being an entrepreneur? Like the you know before you were uh, an artisan and you were making things and uh, doing the quality control for Turquoise Mountains. And and now you're an entrepreneur. Does it feel like a dream come true? Yes, my dreams are coming true now. Um, and uh, before I, uh, I worked in Turks Mountain, and I had also my um, uh, online restaurant, Kabul Hawasana. So that is the family business that yeah. you work with your mother and your sister. Yes, it's it's my family business. And I am very happy that uh, uh, I had um, from seven class that I will be a jeweler. Uh, I want to be a jeweler and I should have my own business. 
It might surprise you to know that in the 1970s, it wasn't unusual to see women in miniskirts on the streets of Kabul. In fact, Afghan women received the right to vote in 1919, one year before women were extended the same right in the United States. But in Afghanistan, it's often a one-step-forward, two-steps-back scenario. Women are granted rights only to have them rescinded, and this on-again, off-again cycle loosely corresponds to whether the country is being governed by secular law or Sharia law. Prior to the 1990s, Ramzia told us her mother practiced medicine in Kabul. Mariam's mother was a schoolteacher. When the Soviets pulled out in 1988, the Mujahideen and tribal powers began fighting for turf. Neither faction was keen to see women in public life. Beginning in roughly 1988 up until the early aughts, Afghan women were completely absent from public life, from professional life, from schools. Families who had the means fled to neighboring countries. Mariam and Ramzia's generation received their education in exile. Their return to professional and public life in Kabul marks an important milestone. Next, we hear Ramzia reflect on what it means to be a woman in her homeland. To be working in Afghanistan as a woman, uh, they, uh, it needs to be a hero. Afghan people have, uh, women have a lot of problems in Afghanistan, like their husbands are not leaving them to do their work, or uh, some uh, their parents, their mom and dad, they are not uh, able to uh, say that uh, good for work. So they have a lot of problem. So be a woman in Afghanistan, it's uh, like a hero. I'm a hero of myself <laughs> that I'm doing my two businesses and I'm very happy to working. Just one uh, challenge is this that uh, I can't uh, work uh, like outside of Twerkis Mountain because if I have any shop in outside of uh, Twerkis Mountain, so people will maybe mm, uh, disturb me. So I'm very happy that uh, Twerkis Mountain gave me uh, a small shop to work on that and I'm very happy from them. Do you feel the role of women in Afghan society is now stable or do you feel that things will get better or maybe potentially get worse? Now it's going to better for Afghan women. Uh, they, are, uh, they are going to schools, they are going to college, they are going to universities. And they are have a lot. Some women have a, a lot um, good uh, work jobs in Afghanistan, like in banks and uh, government offices. So I'm very happy that uh, women are growing. Uh, but uh, no, I don't know about peace. Everyone don't know that peace is coming or not. All of Afghan people have dream to come peace, and uh, they work on their own country, not go to another country. I really don't know that where it's coming or not, but we don't understand that because it's politics. What would you say, like, with your business or with Turquoise Mountain, is something that, that you can really put your hand on your heart and say that you're proud of, of an achievement? Uh, I'm proud of myself 
because of uh, that uh, now I'm doing my business in jewelry and food. I, I, I'm doing my uh, home job also with my two kids. Uh, job of uh, working uh, at home is not easy because I'm living with, uh, with my in-laws. It's about 22 people that I'm living with them. So uh, sometimes dinner is for me that I should make dinner for 22 people. Now tonight I have four people guests. Now it's about 26 people that I'm making lunch, uh, dinner for them. Ramzia, do you, what do your friends think of you running your own business? Uh, my friends are, uh, my best friends are very happy. They're saying, wow, Ramzia is a hero. We've had a chance to get to know Ramzia, so now let's turn to Mariam. Mariam shares her personal experience of leaving Afghanistan as a young girl, first to Peshawar in Pakistan and then to London. A few weeks ago, we interviewed Shoshana Stewart, the CEO of Turquoise Mountain, and we asked her to tell us about her first impressions of landing in Kabul. So we thought it fitting to ask Mariam to reflect on what it was like for her when she had to acclimatize to another country and another culture. In this segment, Mariam's account is touching. You'll hear her recollections of the train ride to Peshawar, life in London, and the subsequent journey back, and her growing fondness for Kabul. Let's meet Mariam. Uh, my name is Mariam Omar. I currently work at uh, Turquoise Mountain uh, as a design center manager. I manage the design programs, uh, educational and also some product development. I um, left Afghanistan when I was 11 and I spent time in Pakistan, Peshawar, and also in London. So when I came back to Afghanistan um, six years ago, uh, and since then I'm enjoying Kabul very much. I'm falling in love with this place every single day. When I wake up, I see the sunshine, and I just feel very lucky to be here. Oh, that's great. You know, um, Mariam, we spoke with uh, Shoshana Stewart, who's uh, the head of Turquoise Mountain, not too long ago, and, you know, we asked her what it was like when she first came to Kabul. Mm -hmm. And so I'm curious, what was it like when you, you know, left Afghanistan? to go into another culture? So I was very young, but I um, remember like the time when we crossed the border to Pakistan. We went to Peshawar first because there was a civil war in Afghanistan and it, it just became impossible to live. The schools just closed down and there were like rockets and bombs on on our area every single day. So we just had to pack up one day and just kind of like leave everything behind and escape. And I remember even as a child, like the moment that we crossed the border, I was just looking out of the window. I, I was looking at the ground. And as soon as we we passed, and it was a kind of like my dad was like, oh, this is the border. Now we are in Pakistan. My heart just felt so bad. Like 
I felt like I lost everything. It, even in such a small age, like I felt really sad to be leaving. But again, I mean, as soon as I arrived to Peshawar, we just saw that there was food and there was, uh, we, we, we were welcomed by my dad's friends. And we didn't have that in, in Kabbalah during the civil war. Like for a few weeks, we were just totally, um, and we, we were locked inside the house and there was nothing. Uh, so, and, and then I, I just started to cope and to manage and just see the bright side of it. And it was also nice living in Pakistan. The weather was a bit different. The culture was different, but, um, you just adjust as you go. Um, and I learned English from Pakistan. I finished my school in there. So I'm also thankful of like what, um, we, I mean, as a person, I, I achieved in there, and I went through life, and I learned quite a lot of lessons. In London, like, do you remember getting off the plane there? What struck you about arriving in the West? As soon as I arrived, I was like, hell, it was raining so badly. <laughs> I'm like, what is this place? Why this? And then the rain just didn't stop forever. <laughs> and I, I'm a person who I just every morning I wake up and I, I I love to see the sun, and so living in London for like almost twelve years, it it um, um, so some sides of it was excellent because I I studied design there, and I learned a lot from London as well. And finally, it kind of like felt like my home, but uh, I was. Um, it was very shocking in the beginning, everything. Um, I wasn't expecting so much rain in the world. Uh, but yeah, yeah, by end of it, I just kind of, it felt like home. And when I was leaving London, I actually felt like I'm leaving home because I just so much um, was used to living there. And I cried a lot. I remember that I actually, I recorded a video of me crying. <laughs> That I was leaving London and I was going to Kabul and I didn't know that uh, what it was like. Uh, that was 2013, summer of 2013, and yeah, and I just wanted to come and see that what Kabul is like. My mom and dad were living here, and uh, I was like, okay, I'll just go and see them. I just finished my education and I wanted to do something and just before I start a work or um, something full-time and serious, I wanted to see Kobo. And like immediately I just fall in love with Kobo and especially when I entered the old city uh, where uh, Turquoise Mountain is based. So when you came back to Kabul, Mariam, you looked into working for Turquoise Mountain and can you tell me the story of when you first went to the institute and what you found? Yeah, I didn't intend to work for Turquoise Mountain when I came from London. I uh, there was an exhibition at the British um, at the British Council in, in London uh, about gemstones of Afghanistan. So before coming to Kabul, I went there and I saw that, and it was absolutely amazing. And I uh, met the director at that time, uh, Tommy White, uh, in London. And they were very welcoming. They said that, oh, if you are coming to Kabul, come and visit us. We are in the old city. Give me an address. And then uh, when I came to Kabul, I, I wanted to go and see Turquoise Mountain. That What is this program like? 
But then I, my father just looked at the address and was like, this is not an office. Like, uh, there has never been an office. I don't know this place. Like, where are you going? Murat Khani, old, old city is uh, where the carpenters are and the blacksmiths are and there are some vegetable sellers, uh, fruit sellers. Was like, where are you going? It's a, it's a wrong uh, address. And I double checked the address and it was like, no, this is so. I took a taxi and I went there and the taxi driver was like, no way that there is an office. So somehow I managed to connect with the director and they were like, no, there is something. So just come to this, with this big wooden uh, door and then we will just uh, receive you from there. So that Muradhani area, has very big walls and, and big doors and it's very protected. So historically, when people were used to live there, they were protecting their beautiful homes. So they had very big walls around that. So from outside, you have no idea. You just see some blacksmiths and some uh, carpenters sitting there working. So I just went inside and I'm not expecting anything. I'm like, what kind of office is this? And then the door opens. And we are inside this courtyard that actually looks like heaven on earth. And I was like, oh, my God, what is this? <laughs> there are fruit, fruit trees inside. There are these beautiful panels that are carved that you can see. And I was so amazed. I had never seen something like this in my life, actually. I had never seen something like that in, in Kabul. Um, so it was immediately like, wow. What, what is this? As the manager of Turquoise Mountains Design Center, Mariam's contribution is invaluable. Artisans and students benefit from her formal design background and her insight into Western market trends. Mariam is a designer as well. She's designed many of the new carpets in the Turquoise Mountain carpet range including one inspired by 15th century miniature paintings from the city of Herat. Located in western Afghanistan, Herat is really a gem. It's the overland gateway to Iran, the Middle East, and the Levant, and the city has been an important center of intellectual and artistic life in the Islamic world since antiquity. But I digress. Now back to Mariam. She also runs the business development curriculum of the Institute. Let's hear Mariam tell us more about her role and how she helps artisans like Ramzia approach design and navigate the business world. So when I started Turquoise Mountain Institute, I worked at their sales and product development uh, department. And uh, it has been a couple of years that now we started our design center. So there was quite a lot of design need that. So at the design center, we have two types of programs. One is educational programs, which are classes for our Turquoise Mountain or TMI uh, Institute students. They come and um, they explore creativity. They um, just design some pieces. And then the other side is also product development. And as in the beginning, you said about the carpet um, designs, those are the ones that we did at the design center for the Turquoise Mountain catalog. And then our educational programs, we connect our TMI students with the international designers. So, for example, someone like Pippa Small, uh, 
will come to Kabul, will have an initial um, class for the jewelers, and then she will go, and sometimes she will connect via um, internet, online, and then we will keep sending the development. Uh, I will work with the students to develop their collections, and then I will be sending them to Pippa, and then her team will send me feedbacks on how it is going, and then in the end, she will put them on an exhibition, or we will just do something together. Um, so things like this. It seems like it's really important not just to do the skills training, but it's also the connecting to a market. Absolutely. Uh, as the world is getting smaller and smaller with the Internet, online shopping and everything, people want to connect more. People want to discover things that uh, they haven't seen before. And it's also, it, it is a very good opportunity for artisans as well because they can sell uh, globally. So, yes. Um, it is very important that, they, that our artisans understand the style, they understand the feel of a product, they understand uh, that it needs to be um, syllable, trendy, interesting, um, relevant to today's uh, life and world, and also uh, technically um, Capable and every day we are trying that their products are getting technically better and better and uh, more aligned with the international standards. Local market you mentioned it's very interesting because when we first when I first came to Kabul in 2013, uh, there was basically zero local market. Everybody was looking into these very big chunky pieces of gold that were coming from uh, South Asia, um, uh, from Dubai as well, yes. Um, and then that's what people were interested in. No interest in any gemstones, unfortunately, in Afghanistan is absolutely full of gemstones. Silver was just non-existing in local market. But throughout all these years now, I see that people become more interested into gemstones because they see that Afghans have a market abroad, so they become interested. They are like, okay, they have value. Maybe we will look more into that. So now that the jewelry we are producing, we are just seeing that a market is building up uh, locally as well. Like now the younger generation, when they get married, instead of buying a lot of gold, they can buy maybe more gemstones with, with silver or gold. Um, yeah, so we are. We are, I think we are going to a good direction for um, Afghan jewelry. In the past, during the civil war, the status of women deteriorated, and then in the past two decades, things have improved. Um, so now that we're on the threshold of another change, um, do you feel like that the progress women have made? in contributing to crafts will stay or you just don't know or what is your thought on that? I hope so. We've seen some really real turbulence um, in Afghanistan. Like before the war, we were used to have a fantastic um, time and Afghan women were used to work in ministries. They would they, they were used to work everywhere, like they were very independent. And then we had the dark ages. 
And after that, now we managed to kind of go back to where we were, at least like going towards that again. With the coming peace deal, it's very difficult to say. We hope that we will keep the uh, what was achieved after, um, like in the in the past few years, like to the level that women are at the moment. Yeah, it, it, it depends on us as well. We we really need to be persistent. We need to not give up and just um, just work for ourselves. Just believe on ourselves and 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 try to keep it alive somehow. Uh, it is a bit scary because we've seen it before. It's very real. When when you are ignored by the whole world, what happens to you? Where you go? You go like centuries back. Like Afghanistan from one of, one of the leaders, uh, once and, um, and everything just went to something really, really powerless and useless. And, um, yeah, it's scary, but we, we just keep, to, we have to keep the hope alive and just say that we, we will fight it, whatever comes. Um, we need to be strong. And, and try our best, try our best. So most people outside of Afghanistan, we hear about the country and we, you know, it's usually put in the context of war and violence. Um, what would you say about Kabul to somebody who's never visited? Like why, why should people come and see Afghanistan? Um, there is a lot of things to love about Afghanistan and whoever comes to Kabul, the Kabul just, they always say that Kabul has a magnet. They always have to come back. So there is definitely a history. There is definitely a love. There is definitely the attitude of people, everything that the weather, just everything works in such a, Although we are talking about war and, and turbulence, but but the city on its own has a it, it has its own harmony, like in a in a personal level. That when a person comes to connect with that, they do find that harmony. They 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 see that in in, in the local people and like how um, welcoming Afghan people are. What's something that everybody should eat when they come to Kabul? First of all, they can eat bread. <laughs> <laughs> Afghan bread is very popular, and, uh, and Afghans have this thing that everywhere they go, they just take a piece of their bread with them. I did that too when I went to India. I had my bread with me, and then I went out for the... Uh, to just see the city, I came back to the hotel and there were six mice inside my uh, luggage. They were eating my bread. Yes, Mariam travels with her bread. <laughs> That's so funny. You know, I, I live in Laos and the Laos, they travel, they travel with chilies. Uh-huh, yeah, that's something that they can't live with. We can't live without, without our bread. Yeah. Does everybody make their own bread every day then? No, no, we have um, bakeries, and every street there are at least two bakeries because people eat a lot of bread. 
with everything we eat bread. Like, even with rice, we eat bread. <laughs> even with bread, you eat bread. <laughs> so, Ramzia, um, I've never actually met anyone from Afghanistan before. Maybe you could tell me a little bit about what you think Afghan people are like. Uh, Afghan people is very uh, good people. Uh, that uh, another people are saying that Afghan people is not good or bad people. Uh, it's very, it's very wrong. Uh, so Afghan people is a very good people. They are always uh, uh, like the guests. If you come to Kabul, so uh, um, I will, me or Mariam John will have you. Could I, could I come to your house and eat bread with you? Yes, uh, invite you uh, uh, in our home and uh, give you lunch, dinner, mm, uh, breakfast with bread of Afghani, <laughs> everything. So never think about Afghanistan bad, just uh, uh, think good uh, about Afghanistan. Thank you so much. I mean, from talking to you, I get the impression that Afghan people, they love to eat. Yes, a lot. <laughs> they take food very seriously. Yeah. And um, you're obviously very funny. <laughs> and uh, you're very kind. Thank you. Thank you so much. I, you know, I loved, loved when Ramzia said that she was a hero. Totally, me too. I mean, I think now after speaking to Shoshana and meeting, you know, two very interesting characters from the inside of Turquoise Mountain, we start to understand like what an amazing institution this is and what an incredible impact it's had on its local community, even down to the to um, Mariam describing her first you know visual experience of the of the building itself and how it you know it was a paradise on earth that's strong words, and so yeah i Yet again, I am have another country on my list of places to visit. And I'm so happy that once, if I ever do put my foot in Kabul, that I can go straight to Ramzia's house for breakfast, lunch and dinner with bread, bread, bread and bread. <laughs> yes, I'm right with you. For more information on Ramzia's jewellery collection and the Turquoise Mountain Institute in Kabul, check out the link in the description of this episode. Our work in Laos has some parallels to that of Turquoise Mountain. We're also working with a core group of master weavers and training village-based artisans to refine their skills whilst introducing them to new markets and supporting craft-based livelihoods. You can learn more about the work that we do by visiting our website and online shop. So thank you for listening. And if you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends and families. Your support means so much to Rachna and I and to Opet Dog as a whole. See you next time. Bye.